I've been gone for about two or three weeks, so give me a good one, all right? I said, hey, yo! Hey, hey, yo. Let's, can we get into it? Can we just go? Y'all don't need a funny story, right? Y'all just want the word. So let's just do it. Go to Psalm 23 in your Bibles. Go to Psalm 23 in your Bibles. You're like, yes, we're back? Yeah, baby, we're back. Psalm 23. I brought the hardcover tonight. That's how you know I'm not playing games. I got the hardcover Bible. I'm so excited. Psalm 23. If you got it, say uh-huh. uh-huh. If you're ready to read it, say oh yeah. Oh, wow. That was uh, okay. Maybe we need to wake up. If you're ready, say oh yeah. Oh, yeah. We are in part three of four parts of Psalm 23. One of the most famous psalms in the Bible. A lot of football teams love to quote this prayer, this psalm, before every game so they can just defeat their enemies or whatever. I've just heard this prayer used a lot. And if you haven't been with us, um, we have been going through verse by verse, discovering something very awesome and important for us. And that is you and I are sheep and we need a shepherd. And this psalm tells us that we need the shepherd of our lives. And that shepherd is Jesus. That shepherd is God. And so go back. You know, you can find it on Spotify. Go listen to the past sermons. But we are in Psalm 23, verse 4. Just verse 4, but I'll read all the way up to verse 4. Can you stand tonight with God's word in your hand? Can you stand for the reading of God's word? There's nothing mystical or magical about this. This is just about respect, about honor. This gets us ready. It said, you know, because if we're sitting, we're sitting. But when we stand, it means something important is happening. And if we can stand for the flag, we better be able to stand for the Bible. Do you know what I'm saying? So here we go. Psalm 23, starting with one, going through verse four. The Lord is my shepherd. You won't see this on the screen. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. This is where we're going to be at tonight. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Lord, this is your word, not mine. And And so I'm not here to uh, share my thoughts. I'm here to share your thoughts on your word and to help reveal these truths that are found in it. And so God, open up our hearts tonight to receive Psalm 23, verse 4, and all the truths and the treasures and the gold that is found in it. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Amen. Go ahead, have a seat. I kind of titled this verse 4, part 3, with something that I like to say, it's just a shadow. Say, it's just a shadow. It's just a shadow. Y'all ever seen, we're going to get to this. We're going to come back to this. But y'all ever seen the videos of like babies, like afraid of their shadows? Like it's kind of funny and like you're kind of really psychotic if you laugh at that. What about like cats? You ever seen like cats freak out about their shadow or cucumbers? Right? Like what is it about shadows and cucumbers that they're like, yeah, right? They just spaz out. Let's say it one more time. It's just a shadow. shadow. We're going to come back to that here in a second. This part right here, this verse, this verse is, this, this verse is different. It's different from what we've 
read before and what we really dove into. And, 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 and I want to kind of uncover why all of a sudden we take a left turn. You know, because originally, like the scripture says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, <laughs> like we just got done talking about like green pastures and water and like laying down, like Bible says we can take a nap. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's get back to that. How did we just end up from green pastures, still waters, righteousness to I'm walking through a valley of the shadow of death, right? So this is like, you know, really weird because we went from beautiful nature scenes now to something very dark and lonely. And I think the reality that you and I need to face today, and this is how we're going to preface the night, is that sometimes following the Lord as shepherd will walk you through a valley of the shadow of death. That's, that's like, that's tough to hear. You're like, wait, can we go back to the green pastures part? Like that was dope. Like that sounded really cool. What do you mean following God is going to bring me to a, a valley of the shadow of death? It sounds like a Lord of the Rings chapter, right? Like what, what in the world? Like, is this a Harry Potter book? No, like this is not the forbidden forest or whatever. This is the valley of the shadow of death. And how are we even here? And so what is a valley even really mean if you've ever been to them like seen really big mountains you'll understand that there's parts of that location that turns into a valley the concept of valley in this verse means to be hedged in to be surrounded how many of you have ever been surrounded by your fears i have i have i've been surrounded by uh people <laughs> that want to beat me up but I won. No, I didn't. All right. Um, we've been surrounded. A lot of us get surrounded by our anxiety. A lot of us get surrounded by some of our emotions. Or maybe we're surrounded by them crazy kids at your job. Where are my teachers at? You're like, Lord, I am surrounded. Help me not hurt one of these kids. But sooner or later, you and I are going to experience what David is experiencing. And he is experiencing a valley. Now, this is different from Psalm 63 because what we discovered before was a desert. We're like, if I had to pick between a valley and a desert, like, I don't know, I, I might pick a valley. At least it's green and it's not as hot. Outside right now feels like a desert, okay? That's, God's not in the weather out there. We need to pray. It's too hot. So I want to encourage you with three observations. Say three. three. Three observations about this valley that you and I will walk through. I wish I could stand up here and say, you will never walk through the valley of a shadow of death. I wish I could say, I wish I could be like, Naj, your life is going to be cookies and cream. Your life is going to be dope. You ain't going to have to worry about nothing. Like your business is going to pop off and it's going to be amazing and be the best nail tech in the whole city of Chicago. It's going to be fire, right? You're going to blow up on social media. Come on, come on. Your B-reels are going to always be about food, right? So like, right? Like I wish I could say it's true though. I wish I could say, Devin, that man, your life, I know you're young, but you know, you're not going to walk through valleys like, like, like your older brother, right? You're not going to walk through valleys like your parents. You're going to be, it's just going to be chill. And I wish I can say that, but the reality of it is you and I are going to find ourselves in positions where we are going to be surrounded by something. And it's going to feel very heavy. 
And so what are some things that you and I can be encouraged about in Psalm 23, verse four? If you have not highlighted that verse in your Bible, do that now. But number one, the first observation is this, and I just said it. You will walk through a valley. You will. You will. It's going to happen. It's, and some of you might be there tonight. Here's what I love. David recognized that under the shepherd's leading, under being led by the shepherd, that he may walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It isn't his destination or the place that he'll dwell in or live in. So here's what I'm saying. So here's some encouragement for you tonight. He's in the valley of the shadow of death, but what is he doing? What's he doing? Yea, though I what? Walk, okay. So walking isn't standing. Walking isn't sitting. Walking means that you're what? You're moving. You're passing through. And so a lot of us tend to get into valley moments and think this is it. We freak out. We're like, my life is ruined. I, I'm just, I'm not okay. And this is, this is the end. How many of you have ever been there? You're like, this is it. I'm stuck in this job. I'm stuck in this classroom with these people and this teacher that don't be teaching right, right? Or whatever, right? I'm stuck at this school. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm reading mail. I'm stuck. I'm stuck, in the, I'm stuck in this family. I'm stuck in this relationship. I'm stuck in this habit. And a lot of you need to understand that that is not your dwelling place. God will not leave you there. That's the encouragement for you tonight. He will not leave you there. What I would say to these moments is like, okay, is God leading me into darkness then? Like if he's the shepherd. And so what I would say to that is God is leading you through a darkness that is inevitable. It's going to happen, right? Because we see scriptures that say this, scripture that says, in this world you will have trouble, but what? Take heart, for I have overcome the world. So if I'm going to walk through valleys in life, if I'm going to go through some of these things, then I would rather do it with the one who has conquered death and who has conquered sin than by myself. Wouldn't you say so? Here's another observation, right? So we talked about those videos with cats like being afraid of their shadow and things like that. The shadow, if you've ever seen the show Bear in the Big Blue House, no? Oh, I'm aging myself. Oh, I feel old. I got gray hair. I'll fight you. Bear in the Big Blue House is literally about a puppet-sized, man-sized bear. Think of Barney, but a bear that lives in his own big blue house with a bunch of other puppet animals, and none of them pay rent. They just be living off of this bear, right? I'm like, how can he afford that house, right? But part of the show is they do this song where one of their friends show up. They go, oh, where, where, where is Shadow? Where, where, where is Shadow? Where, where, where is Shadow? Where, is, where can Shadow be, right? And then this, like, obnoxiously loud, like, female, you know, Shadow character comes out of nowhere and then tells a story. But no one in that show, like, gets freaked out that the Shadow is talking to them. Right. So here's here's a question when it comes to um, shadows. I want you to notice um, has has a shadow ever bit you? Okay, that's weird, right? Um, How many of you are afraid of your shadow right now? Don't raise your hand. You're not afraid. You're not afraid of your shadow, right? 
it's weird for someone. I mean, it, it, it's a, probably a, a fear for someone, but I, if, it's, if that's you, you know, we'll pray. But it's uncommon for someone to be afraid of their own shadow. Why? Because it's a shadow. So notice this. Say, it's just a shadow. Notice the valley of the what of death? The Okay. Okay. So we can understand that a shadow is not a tangible thing, but what casts the shadow is. Okay? So here's my here's my shadow on the ground, right? I've got a few of them, right? I'm actually surrounded by shadows right now. What's up, gang? Um Right? You see my shadow, right? I'm literally surrounded. Like, Ara, my shadow can't just get up and kick you in the face, right? That would kind of be crazy. That's some Peter Pan stuff, right? Right? My shadow can't get up and rob Gio of his sneakers, right? But what can? You can. Me, right? He's like, no, you can't, right? I would never kick Ara in the face, all right? So, so the shadow is intangible, but the thing that is, is what's casting that shadow. And so we face in this verse only the shadow of death. That's why it's important that we read this word for word because we pass over. I'm telling you, when I was studying this and it hit me today, I was like, this is a word. This is a word for someone. Okay. I'll read what I said. We can understand that a shadow is not tangible, but it, but it casts by something that is. So we face only the shadow of death because Jesus already conquered death. I'll say that again so y'all can wake up. So we only face the shadow of death because Jesus already conquered death. Okay, The shadow that has been cast onto you is coming from something that has already been defeated. I'm Listen, even if this goes over your head, which I believe it's not, this is something you need to remember. Because you want to know what the devil wants to make real to you? Our fears. You know what fear stands for? It's false evidence appearing real. That's fear. And so the things that you think are real, it's only a shadow. It's only a shadow. You say, listen, Pastor Izzy, that shadow that's being cast over my life, that shadow that's being cast over my family, I understand that it's just a shadow, but you just said that there is something that is casting that shadow. Guess what? That thing has already been defeated. That thing is already lost. That thing has already been conquered. And so what the enemy wants to try to convince you is that your shadow can bite when it's just a shadow. The enemy knows he's defeated. He knows he's lost. He's losing this battle. But if he can convince you that a shadow can bite, he's won. Because that means you don't understand that the battle's already been won and already been conquered on your behalf. The shadow that has been cast onto you is coming from something that has already been defeated. That sin that's been casting a shadow has already been defeated and paid for. So here's this. What you think is death itself is just the shadow of something already defeated. It's the shadow of something already defeated. Right? I feel surrounded. I feel like I'm surrounded by shadows. My anxiety feels like a shadow. My depression feels like a shadow. My, I struggle with an eating disorder. That is a shadow that is cast around me. And I'm here to encourage you tonight that even though you're walking through this shadow, that it's already been conquered. 
that God has already said yes and amen to your prayers, that he wants to help you. What you think is death itself is the shadow that is something already defeated. I want to show you a quote because I love quotes. It's by Charles Spurgeon again. Go ahead, throw that quote up. He says this, death in its substance has been removed and only the shadow of it remains. Nobody is afraid of a shadow, right? For a shadow cannot stop a man's pathway even for a moment. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. The shadow of a sword cannot kill. The shadow of death cannot destroy us. Cannot destroy us. So when you're walking in a valley moment, in a valley season of your life where you feel surrounded and you feel stuck and you feel like you're trapped, it is just a shadow that cannot hurt you. It cannot and it will not win. Why? Because it has already lost. If you get anything tonight, it's this. It's just a shadow. Say, it's just a shadow. It's just a shadow. God has already won. God has already defeated that. Here's the second observation from this verse. You have nothing to fear in the valley. You have nothing to fear in this valley. That kind of is like a little crazy because let me tell you something. If I walked through any type of shadow, like I don't be walking down alleyways at night. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't go, that's the shadow of death right there. Alleys, I told Ariel because she's white and we moved to a city and she's like, ah, everyone's nice. I'm like, no, everyone's not nice, right? Uh, my number one rule for Ariel was, Ariel, I don't care if it's in the middle of the day. I don't care if it's morning. I don't care if it's Sunday. I don't care if you're going to Chick-fil-A. I don't care if you're going on a walk. You will not and do not go down the alley. You will take the long way around. You will stay on the main streets because she's so cute and so nice and people will take advantage of her and, and I'm paranoid about the whole city, all right? So I was like, do not do it. Do not go. But what I love, what I love about this is you and I, and David is expressing something. He's saying, I don't have anything to fear. He says this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear. It's underlined. I will fear no evil. What's that second word? I what? Will. Notice again the definitive language that, that we see from David. We, we saw this before in Psalm 63 where he's, he's taking a stand. He's saying, I will fear no evil. Notice the absolute confidence in his verbiage. Right? He's not saying, I hope I fear no evil. I kind of fear no evil. It depends on the evil that I'll fear. And then if it's the evil that I can fear, then I'll fear. But if it's not, then I'm pretty not. I'm going to think I'm okay. Right? Like, can you imagine that's like verse 8 through 17 if he said that? But he says, no, I will fear no. Some translations say, I will not fear. Why can he say this? Why can we say this? How could David say this? Because the same, this is so good. Because the same God that was with him on the field facing the giant and an army is the same God that's with him in the valley. The same God that was with him in the caves running from Saul is the same God that is with him in the valley. And so here's this part. Listen, your will not fear comes from his will not fail. That is so good. If you're not writing that down, your will not fear comes from his will not fail. Pastor Joey just preached about this last Thursday, and that was a fire message. I was, I was watching. It was amazing. I was in the comments, ayo, hey, and he fired me up. And so how could David, 
Remember all that God has done. What is getting him through this valley? How does he know that there's nothing to fear? It's because he knows God won't fail. It's because he looked a giant in the face in front of hundreds and thousands of soldiers and he cut his head off with his own sword. That's crazy. In the moments where we saw in Psalm 63, where David is running from his life, either from his son that has overthrown him or the king that once loved him and is now trying to kill him, David knows that God won't fail him. The same God that delivered him from the wolves and the lions and the bears that tried to kill his sheep, the same God that delivered him from Goliath and the Philistines, the same God that delivered him from Saul is the same God that is with him right here, right now in this very moment. The same God that got you through that horrible year at school, the same God that's getting you through your parents' divorce right now, the same God that has helped you in the past is the same God that's helping you right now. And so your will not fear comes from his will not fail. He will not fail you. It's, listen, it is impossible for him to fail you. It is not a part of his DNA. It is not a part of his character. You're like, I can't wrap my mind around someone that is inerrant, that, that won't fail because I trusted him and he failed me. I trusted her and she failed me. I trusted them and they abandoned me. I thought that person I can put my life into and they abused me. And so you're telling me that there's someone out there that won't fail me. I doubt it. And I'm here to tell you today, you are here sitting in this seat, in this sanctuary, because he has not failed. You're like, I feel like God has failed me. You're breathing. You're here. He has not failed you. And so when you get it in your head, just for a moment, and you start really believing this truth that, God, you can't fail. You can't fail. It's impossible for you to fail. And if I'm for you and you are for me, then I can do anything. Then I, then I can make it. Then I'll be fine. I'll make it through this. There's moments in my life where I've been on my knees saying, God, if you fail, then I'm done for. If you, if you abandon me, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you know what God met me with? He met me with this presence. And he met me with this peace. And he found a way for me. And he made a way for me. Because he is a God that is a way maker. He has never failed. He has never lost a battle. That's the God that you serve. That's the God that I've decided to commit my life to. To tell people that your parents will fail. Your teachers will fail. Your friends will fail. You will fail. But God will never fail. You have nothing to fear in this valley. Say, I have nothing to fear. And I know some of you said that and you're like, well, I have a lot to be afraid of. But listen, the VeggieTales uh, movie said it best. God is bigger than the boogeyman. God is bigger than the boogeyman. That's one of my favorite movies from them. He says, I will fear no evil. Your will not fear comes from his will not fail. He will never fail you. He will never lead you or leave. I like to say this. I say this a lot. He doesn't lead you to leave you. He has not dropped you off at Christian daycare on this world and says, figure it out. And a lot of us think and treat God like he's just dropped us off on this planet and said, listen, try to be perfect. It's impossible. There you go. I'll see you at the rapture. I'll see you in Revelations. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> like, that's not God. He didn't do that. He's like, I'm go- I didn't just lead you to leave you. 
I'm with you. I'm beside you. I've gone before you. I'm behind you. I'm all around you. Listen, uh, I, uh, what's that song? Um, so it talks about, uh, this is how I fight my battles, right? It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. One of the bridges that say that, that's the truth. Listen, you're like, I'm surrounded by shadows. No, you're surrounded by him. And he's covering you and he loves you. Can I get back onto this? Are you guys still with me? Here's my last point. Here's my last point. He says this, for you are with me. You are not alone. Can I be real? I struggle with loneliness. Can I be honest with y'all? You're like, dang, Pastor Izzy struggles with stuff? Yeah, I struggle with loneliness. I've been struggling with loneliness since high school. And you're like, dang, you're old though. So you've been struggling. Is that gonna be me? No, I don't think it's gonna be you. I've learned that in my loneliness, God is nearer than ever before. And so there's moments where I just feel alone. I went, I went to a high school of 2,400 people. 2,400 people walking the halls at one point. And I felt like it was just me. Or there were times where I was, my family was struggling. I was struggling mentally. I was struggling with a lot of things. And I just felt alone. And you don't have to raise your hand, but I know there's some of you in here and you just feel alone. And there's somewhat no reason for you to feel that way. You just do. You just feel alone in it. And I can tell you tonight that when this passage finally became real to me, I realized that every step that I've ever taken, God has seen and he's been with me the whole time. I shared the story before, but I was at a low moment and I was in my room and I was on my face crying. You might remember the story. I was on my face crying and I just remember saying these words, God, why don't you like me? You, you seem to like everybody else at church, but when it comes to me, I don't feel you. I don't sense you. I don't think you love me. I don't think you like me. Why would you anyway? I felt so alone, and my dad crept into the room, and he asked if I was okay. Do you guys remember the story? Long story short, I thought he left when I heard the door close, but when I opened my eyes, he was on his face with me, and he said these words, God is closer to you in this moment than ever before. And God used my earthly father to show me that he's with me in my low moments. He's with me. And and it goes beyond feeling that he's with me. It's the faith and the knowledge and the truth that God says he will never leave me nor forsake me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. And because God is not a liar, I believe that. I believe that I'm never alone. So David says this, for you are with me. So it is the presence of the shepherd that eliminated the fear of evil. It eliminated, right? So no matter his present environment, no matter where he found himself, David could look to the fact that God's presence is everything he needs in that moment. He says, you are with me. I will fear no evil. So wait, check this out. It is at this dangerous moment pictured in the psalm that 
that the words change. You didn't catch this, and I didn't at first. But it, but it goes from the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lay down. He leads me, right? Psalm 1 through 3. And now all of a sudden, Psalms 4, the direction of his prayer changes from he to you. It went from he is to you are. So what does that mean? It means David is no longer remembering, but now it's like he's praying this in real time. This, is, this just got even more personal. Our prayers need to get personal. So you can say he, right? He makes me, he does this, and it's because you've seen him do it in other people's lives. But your prayers need to go from he to you. And so what I'm saying is some of you pray like your parents, and that's great. I think you should learn from the prayers of your parents. I think it's awesome. But you're praying like your parents because you don't know how to pray yourself. And so we see in this moment that he goes from he makes me lie down to if he could say it again, it's God, you make me lie down. You lead me beside still waters. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, your. So you see how this gets really personal. So our prayers need to get personal. In this valley that you're facing, maybe tonight, your prayers need to be real. Your heart, your voice, your pain, your frustration, your anger, your needs. God wants all of that. Not some cookie cutter prayer. Not some surface level prayer stuck in the shallow end. But a deep prayer. What does a deep prayer look like when you're upset? It's like what I prayed that night. God, I think you don't like me. I think you're ready to bless everyone but me, and I have a problem with that. Why why am I not healed? Why are my parents not back together? I'm kind of, man, if you were here, I'd, I'd break something. I'm in pain, and I just need someone to see me. That's a real prayer. Now, there's, there's different prayers that we can talk about another time where up here, you know, a corporate prayer, but this isn't like that for David. David's not praying in front of a church. He's in his quiet time, and he's saying, God, you are with me. I, don't, I may not feel it. I may not understand it. I feel alone, but that's the truth, and it's setting me free in this moment. And so what does your prayer life look like in the valley? And so some of you pray better in the valley. Sometimes the only time, this is a word, sometimes the only time God gets to hear from you is when you're in a valley. And so what that is, is you're treating God like a fire extinguisher. Whenever there's an emergency, you pop the glass, you, you, you start to feel better. God makes a way just because he loves you. And then you put him right back into the emergency exit and leave him there until the next one. And God doesn't deserve that. The creator of the universe? Father of, of life? The, the author and the creator of, of humanity? He's not a fire extinguisher. He's not just someone that you can just call on whenever there's trouble. Yes, do that. But how many of you would break up with somebody if they only called you for what, you, what they need? Right. right? I'll dump you in a heartbeat. Right? We all got that cousin. We all got that sibling that be knocking on your door. Hey, man, can I get $5? Right? Like, I'm going to the movies. I asked the girl out. I'm like, how are you going to the movies with no money? No, man, you. I'm like, all right. 
That was me. Some of you pray better in valleys, and so that's why God will let you go through one, because that's the only time I'll hear from you. But I, wanna, I want God to hear from me in the mountains, in the valleys, in the field, in the oceans. I want God to hear from me every season of my life. But your prayers, listen, your prayers need to be real. You're like, I don't know how to pray, but you know how to talk. I don't know how to pray to God. Yeah, but you know how to tell your best friend what's happening in your life. What, I, what's the difference? Right? I call my brother up, amen, I'm kind of going through this stuff, man. I need help. I need prayer. You know what my brother would say? Why are you calling me? He literally would say, did you pray about it? And I'd be like, no, man, I called you. He'd click. <laughs> you think I'm playing? He'd be like, why? Call him. His, listen, you got his number. Call him. My heart for you tonight is that your prayer life would be real. That it would go from he is for other people to you are to me. Yeah. That's a good word. A deep prayer. It's when we pour out our emotions and prayers that God comes and does what? Look at this last one. And the worship team can come up. This is it. Then I'm done. 15 minutes left. Then I'm done. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. And the last we see, your rod and your staff, they come from me. I'm going to break this down. And we're going to spend some time praying. The rod and the staff were tools used by the shepherd. Scholars believe, you know, they, they're split. They say there are two different um, objects. And some says that it was one used in two different ways. Either way, there was a tool that, that shepherd used to manage their sheep. So meaning that the good shepherd is what? This shows us, throw that verse back up. You can leave it up. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. So that means he has a tool. Go to that next slide. It means what? It means that the good shepherd is well-equipped to lead and guide us. He's well-equipped. You don't have to worry about if God can do it. You don't have to worry about if he's prepared to handle your crazy self. You don't have to worry if God is willing and able. So when it says your rod and your staff... He's saying, God, you have the tools necessary to help me. You have the tools necessary to guide me along in this journey of my life. So this should, this should bring a security and confidence in God that he is well equipped to do what he needs to be done in the valley. He will guide you. He is not going to waste this valley moment. I had a pastor preach on this. He said, God will never waste a hurt. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, in those hard moments, God's not just going to let you go through that and nothing to show for it? No. You know what this valley is going to do, Leah? It's going to make you stronger. You know what it's going to do, Marissa? It's going to make you wiser. You know what these valleys are going to do, sturdy? It's going to keep you focused. It's going to make you into the man of God that God wants you to be. I can go to each and every person and say the same thing. And so here's the thing. Notice this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow, he's not running. He's not rushing this process. And so there are a lot of times in your life that when you get into trouble, you don't look for a way through. You look for a way out. And you are robbing yourself of the gift of growth by doing so. I just want relief. I just want relief from this pain. 
I don't want to be surrounded anymore. I don't like people being around. I, don't, I just need to get out of here. And what you're doing, and then you go back and say, why am I not where I need to be? Why have I not grown? Why am I in the same position as I was last year? It is because in those valley moments, you decide to escape rather than endure. And it is be, you choose to do those things. You choose to look for a way out rather than a way through because you don't trust that God will get you through. And so now we've talked, now we're, we've run into a faith issue. And now we run into a trust in God issue. And the reality is, you just don't trust God. And so like, I can come up here and tell you till I'm blue in the face all the reasons why you should trust him and you'll walk out of here the same way. But God needs to be real to you and he will use values to do it. He will get you to a place where you have no other option but to turn to him. It's happened. Some of the greatest leaders that I know in my life will tell me moments where they had no one to turn to. The cigarettes weren't working anymore. The alcohol just didn't give them the buzz anymore. That relationship, talking to people, it just didn't, nothing worked anymore. And so God got them to a place where like, listen, this valley, listen, I'm going to reveal myself to you in this valley. Some of you want to know more about God. It's in these valley moments that he shares his heart and he shares his vision for you in those moments. You'll be stronger, wiser, more faith-filled and faithful, more in love with God, more trusting. All those prayers of wanting to be closer to God, those prayers are often answered in valleys. So when you see your life headed towards a valley, don't fear. Don't fear. If anything, step on the gas. Say, bring it on. Why don't you close your eyes for me? I'm talking about valleys tonight, and I know that there's some of you that are dealing with that right now. And God wants to speak to you right now in this valley and he wants to let you know there's nothing to be afraid. And so if that's you, if you're in a valley, if you feel like there's a shadow over you, I feel this too. Keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. There's someone here that the shadow that's over you is your past. And you feel like you can't grow anymore because you're bound to what you did before or what someone did to you, what happened to you. God wants to release you from that. God wants to help you in that valley right now. If you're in a valley with no one looking around, I just want to pray for you. If that's you and you say, Pastor, pray for me in this moment. I'm in a valley. Can you just raise your hand? No one looking. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see it. Amazing. Is there anyone else who's just like, I, I need help. I need prayer. I need help in this. Once you put your hand up, you can put it down. Is there anyone else? Awesome. I see that hand. I see that hand over there. A valley is a valley. It doesn't have to be this deep. Listen, if you feel surrounded, that's it. God wants to help you in this. Awesome. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. Can we all stand? And we all stand. I like thought about how we wanted to close out this. Do you have a song? What song? Oh, great. <laughs> that worked out great. Huh? Your call. I love it. I want to give you a moment to pray a real prayer.
because I can come up here and get y'all emotionally charged and get y'all to a place where y'all are crying and, and it's awesome, it's great. Like, you know, some pastors are good at that. Listen, I, I, that's just not who I am and that's not what I'm gonna do. But I'm here to teach you and pastor you and shepherd you in this moment to have a real conversation with God because at the end of the day, I'm not in that valley with you. I mean, if you come and tell me after service, I'll, I'll, I'll try my best to be there with you and pray. But ultimately, it's you and it's him. And so those of you that raised your hand, I want you to know you're not alone because other raised their hand. But I also want everyone to do this. I want everyone to come to the altar because altars are not optional. So why don't you come out of your seat? Why don't you spread about here? We're going to sing this song. We've got time. We're going to sing this song. And leaders, I want my leaders, unless you raise your hand as a leader, I want my leaders to make their way through the crowd, and I want you to just start praying for students. I want you to just start praying for them. Come on, we'll spread out all the way, because I want it to just be you and him. Because there's going to be moments in your life where that's it. That person doesn't pick up the phone. That person is not around. And like I said, God is going to get you to a place where it's just you and him. So we're going to practice that tonight. We're going to have a real deep prayer moment. So here's what this is not. This is not a moment to zone out. This is not a moment to complain to God. This is not a moment for you to just sit there and do nothing. This is a moment where you say, God, this is where I'm at and I need your help, but I know you're with me. And you just talk and have an honest prayer. And if you're done, if you've shared all that you wanted to share to your heart's content, then sit there and allow God to speak to you. I believe some of you are going to be free from these things tonight. And so let's go ahead and start singing. And so as they sing, I don't want you to sing. I want you to pray. They're just going to be background music. So why don't you just go ahead and start praying right now. If you need to.